Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm your host, Mitch Friedman. Ideas have consequences, and every day you're exposed to ideas that promise human flourishing. Our mission here on the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine these everyday ideas so that you can determine for yourself whether or not they deliver on their promises. Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. This is your host, Mitch Friedman, joined by Jeff Olson. And today on the Pinocchio Project, uh, we are going to talk about the, uh, I would call the mixture, hodgepodge of ideas about the world known as a, a, a variant in worldview. Worldview is how we see the world, how we make sense of the world, uh, how we believe life is to be lived in order to maximize flourishing. And I think it has a parallel to a lot of the conversation and even entertainment we see uh, coming out of Hollywood, uh, scientific conversation and entertainment productions about the multiverse. You've heard of it. Dr. Strange knows all about it. Uh, the multiverse, as a, a technical term, is a hypothetical group of multiple universes. Together, these universes comprise everything that exists, the entirety of space, time, matter, energy, information, and the physical laws and constants that describe them. The different universes within the multiverse are called parallel universes, other universes, alternate universes, or many worlds. And this, uh, this concept or technical possibility or hypothesis uh, has been raised really over the last, mm, I would say, not more than 10 years uh, in, in an effort to describe or maybe mitigate against describing uh, this universe that we live in now is something uh, created by intelligence or an intelligent mind or intelligent design. Uh, as far as entertainment goes, it's just kind of a lot of fun to move in and out of uh, alternate or parallel or other universes or many worlds. Uh, but I want to apply this multiverse concept to worldview, uh, which is the really the mission of the Pinocchio Project is to equip you to examine everyday ideas promise human flourishing uh, so you can be equipped to examine them yourself and uh, see whether or not they can deliver on their promises. Uh, so for the balance of this episode, I'm going to refer to a recent uh, survey done uh, in the American church. So this is a, an episode uh, primarily for the church uh, in, in America. Uh, now, if you're a listener to the Pinocchio Project, and you're not necessarily someone who ascribes to following Jesus or participation in a church, I think this will be helpful to you also. And it may explain some of the uh, possible confusion and multi-view that you might experience when talking to uh, Christ followers and churchgoers in America. Uh, there was a survey done very recently by the Barna Group, uh, very, uh, a very prolific group that surveys the, the church on a variety of issues. And the, the purpose of the, the survey was to determine or discern or distill uh, the actual, I would call, dynamo of the church in America that, that is adherent to a biblical worldview. So a biblical worldview is a concise understanding of the world and how to make sense of it and what makes it a flourishing life uh, based on a commitment to understanding God's grand story, the Bible. So the Barna Group created, compiled, edited, 
and then presented a series of questions primarily to the church and primarily within that primarily to what we would call the evangelical church in America. Now, to use the word evangelical in describing the church uh, has a unique set of descriptors. Uh, To be evangelical means that you identify with a group of people who uh, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that Jesus Christ uh, is the only way to be reconciled to our Creator, Jesus' Father, Father God, uh, reconciled based on His death for our sin, to pay the penalty of our sin, and that opened the door for our reconciliation, and then proof that reconciliation is available through His resurrection. And so an evangelical Christian is committed to the understanding that Jesus Christ is uh, the sole entry point of reconciliation to the Father uh, by his crucifixion and his resurrection. And another aspect of the evangelical portfolio or profile is the impulse to share Jesus uh, with people who have not yet heard or have not yet understood that Jesus is the uh, way for them to be reconciled. And so to share your faith is a typical marker of what it means to be an evangelical Christian. And so the Barna survey sampled thousands of evangelical Christians or those who identify with same. And I use that uh, on purpose because what we're going to see is, is that when it comes to worldview in the evangelical church, there is actually not a biblical worldview universe. There is actually a multiverse. There is a variety of alternatives that have entered into the evangelical mind and now have, have held sway over and against what it means to hold to a solid, potent, effective biblical worldview uh, when it comes to living life. So uh, interestingly, the first uh, survey question for the evangelical church in this Barna survey was an agree or disagree. And here's the statement. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. The Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. So 99% of evangelical Christians in America agreed with this statement, that the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. Now, what follows from this first agree and disagree is a confusing multiverse of responses that seem to mitigate against the statement of agreement that the Bible is the highest authority for what I believe. So let's just talk about a few of them. Let's look at some of the following questions. I'm just going to pull this up here real quick. So remember, this is the evangelical church in America. If you're interested in the survey, you can look at, uh, for example, Ligonier Ministries, a state of theology survey that is closely akin to Barna's survey. And th- there's, there's a lot of cross-pollination. Uh, you can look at Barna's as well. I found the, uh, the restatement of it in Ligonier Ministries State of Theology Survey to be very helpful. So, 99% of the people surveyed agreed that the Bible is the highest authority for their lives, and 56% believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. I look down the table, and my sound engineer is scratching his head with a curious look. And this is a a curious dichotomy. 
99% say the Bible is the highest authority. 56% believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So I'm just going to let this sit there for a minute. Uh, this may be something that, uh, that you're wrestling with. And my, my question uh, and encouragement is that if you say, and if I say that the Bible is the highest authority for my life, what I want to consider is, does that mean that I give the Bible 20% of my ethos and my commitment and my trust? And then 16 other possibilities that go, go into a stew to make up the 80, other 80%? Or does it mean that the highest priority means that there is no other authority in my life? I think based on this first response and the ones that will follow, maybe the idea is that the Bible has some authority and more than all the other alternatives, but I import other alternatives to make up my worldview. Nearly 50%, moving on, believe that God learns and adapts to different circumstances, which to restate means that we have a God of change, that he sees things happening in the world and he learns and adapts to these circumstances and how then to administrate from his throne. Now we call this, if you want a technical term, we call this process theology that God is in the process of growing as he continues his sovereign rule over all things. 70% strongly agree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. 99% of people, the Bible is my highest authority. 70% strongly agree that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. You know what I'm thinking here, Jeff? It might be better if I just take one at a time and unpack it and compare it to an actual biblical worldview and distill it. Otherwise, what we're doing is just saying, oh, well, that's what they believe. And, you know, so, I mean, isn't this just all open to interpretation anyway? And what's the danger in holding these positions? You don't mind if we do some things spontaneously here on the Pinocchio Project, do you? Uh, as, I, as I was building this outline, I thought that this might be the case. The teacher in me, as I just go one by one quickly through all these uh, survey responses, this, the teacher is screaming, you have to unpack. These are really bad ideas that are being held. Why don't we just stop here and spend the rest of our time on this 70% of evangelical Christians in strong agreement that Jesus is the first and great, greatest being created by God. So what's the key dangerous word in this proposition? created. Jeff and I said that together. I said it out loud. He mouthed it, which gives me great confidence in my sound engineer, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen of the church, if Jesus is a created being, I'm still in my sin. Why am I still in my sin, you say? Because if a man created by God is someone now seen as the sin bearer carrying the penalty for my sin to the cross, he cannot be a perfect atoning sacrifice. He's just like I am. He is subject to the same nuanced depravity as every other image bearer created by God. If Jesus Christ is not the eternal Son of God, 
and part of the triune Godhead, that is Father, Son, and Spirit, then Jesus is not qualified to go to the cross with my sin. See, Jesus was now brought through Mary by the impregnation of God's Spirit so that he would be a sinless, spotless lamb creating the perfect environment, the perfect qualified sacrifice. And as the book of Hebrews says, only Jesus was qualified now because of his relationship to the Father in eternity and his qualification to be my sin bearer. He took his own blood not into the temporary temple, but he took his own blood into the temple of heaven and offered it to his Father as an atonement, not temporarily for the external washing of my sin, but for the internal permanent cleansing of my conscience and the forgiveness of my sin. So if Jesus is seen as being a creation of God and not eternally part of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, I am still in my sin because his sacrifice was meaningless. Now, this is a heresy that's long been condemned by the church. You can look for yourself. And one thing I want to pause and say that there's, there's nothing new under the sun. If you look at all the letters of the New Testament, basically, every one of them basically deal with some level of false teaching, maybe except for Philemon. So this is not a new proposition about the identity of Jesus. It falls in line with all of the heresies that the church has experienced uh, for over 2,000 years. But if 70% of 99% of people who are supposed to be the most committed Christians strongly agree with the statement that Jesus has created, what does that say about the multiverse of worldview that we've now incorporated from all kinds of different places? but we still hold that the Bible is our primary authority. These things are are contradictory at best and nonsensical at worst. So I think I'm just going to leave it there. Maybe I'll come back to the 56% and nearly half. 56% believe that God accepts the worship of all religions. And then the second one I I, uh, reflected on, nearly half believe God learns and adapts to different circumstances, the understanding of process theology. Uh, But I think I'm just going to leave it there. And I, I want to encourage you, if if this is insulting and offensive to you, I say, let it be so. And rethink maybe the multiverse that you've been importing into your biblical worldview. And if you're someone who says that the Bible is my primary authority for all matters of faith and life and flourishing, then take that seriously and begin to get into the Word, get into a Bible-teaching church, get into a small group that's solid and orthodox, and begin to feed yourself on a daily basis. And what you'll see is some new fabric being woven into your worldview that actually is biblical and is not the multiverse of all kind of differentiated philosophy and theology. It becomes the coherent universe of God's beautiful story, allowing you peace and freedom and security as you move through a world of contradiction. For The Pinocchio Project, this is Mitch Friedman signing off. Thanks so much for being with us on The Pinocchio Project today. If this podcast has value for you, please subscribe or follow. Give us a five-star rating and share. If you have an everyday idea you'd like to submit for us to examine, 
simply email us at pinocchioprojectpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at pinocchiopod, or you can hit the links in the show notes below. Thanks again for listening. And remember, your everyday ideas have significant consequences. <laughs>